0: Click the button. And we're live. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blue Abroad Show. It's Monday, the twenty-seventh of March, two thousand and twenty-three. And we are we've had a long time to enjoy Thursday night's win. I've got Pommy with me to enjoy it with us all. And we look forward to having you here. Pommy, what's up, bro?
1: You know, I'm truly honored because in the eight and two last year. Uh, I famously didn't do any wins apart from the last win, so I, I, I'm really happy to be doing this show with our first win of the year.
0: I actually I knew that I remember that last year, and mate, you've been a part of the journey for a very long time, and you've you've been here for many losses. So we had to do this. We had to do this.
1: I'm I'm honoured. Honestly, I know last year I'm used to losses, so we brought the guy who's the serial loser on, but. It's nice to do a win because, honestly, I've been here three years and I think I've done four wins.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's awesome. Uh, Everyone's starting to filter in. We've got a jam-packed night, a jam-packed show and a jam-packed night. And for those of you that are joining us live on the Blue Abroad show, you're going to get the first look at the fan cams compilation that I put together. Uh, Let's just see who's here. Josh is here. Christian's here. How many times have we actually watched the replay? Question. That's a great question. Pommy, how many times do you watched the replay?
1: Uh, two for the review.
0: I've watched the game twice. I've watched the fourth quarter a further two times after watching the full game twice. It was... Oh, mate. I can't wait. I can't I'll, wait to talk about it.
1: I'll be honest. I, I went on that Calton Blues fan and I watched the Charlie highlights. Uh, I, that is my guilty pleasure. Every, every week, Charlie kicks goals. I just re-watch his highlights. Uh,
0: I can tell you a lot about Charlie's game. Oh, mate. It was special. Um, all right. Let's play the fan cams compilation. Stand by, everybody. This will get us into the spirit. One second. Hello, everybody we did it we closed out a close game goodness me welcome to the round two fan cams 2023 as the blues beat the cats 13 goals 12 90 to 12 goals 10 82. it was rocking at the mcg
1: the immortal words of a very famous 70s song
0: oh what a
1: night watching carlin on a thursday night what a win, no oh, what a night 40 points from forward half intercepts They're Voss's numbers That was the staple last year The pressure was good I will neck
0: the Kool-Aid if we hit, we've we got 20 more to go So we'll see how that goes Pommy, mate, good to be back That's why we didn't win last week, mate The final piece of the puzzle needed to be there The, the, uh, the watch along It's great to have you back, mate uh, Joe Adamo, Joe Adamo <laughs> Go, man! Let's go! Let's go! Just did it. How hard is it? It's not hard to hold on for two minutes. I like, fucking did it. That's it. Into the fourth, those mental deep. I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was not confident at any point. Pretty much until the last minute, I wasn't really feeling it until until they did the thing. I didn't want to get sucked in because Geelong have always done that with us.
2: Um, there was I had I was the opposite. I was the opposite. I was stressed, but there was a part of me that just knew tonight. They just had that feeling of we're not losing this game. We started well. We kept with them. They had a five minute period in the fourth quarter and in the second, and that was
0: it. Sammy McClure. <laughs> On the fan cams, <laughs> welcome. Oh, what a debut. What a time to make a debut. I know. You waited at the right moment. It was. Oh, oh, I'm stressed. I'm still stressed. I, I don't even. Yeah, I, I'm not like Joe. Like I didn't. I didn't think they were going to win until they won. Like I don't know. That that. To be honest, like it was a really gutsy performance. Like I know that the Cats had their problems and they had their injuries, and but you know when you're playing a team that has someone like Jeremy Cameron, you're like, oh, it's, it's nice to win one of those. Paolo Sebastiati, Sen's very own, the Jumper punches very own, what yes. is
2: up? What is up, yes. Uh, a very, very, very good win. Eh? Hey? Scenes. Yeah, scenes. scenes. I, I did say we would win. I did say we would win. Um, yeah, it was very, very confident going into this week. Um, it, did, it didn't surprise me uh, that we flicked the switch today. So quick, quick quiz before we start this. Um, yeah. When last time Carlton beat along by eight points, nineteen eighty or nineteen sixty eight, and That's that the was a year. You
0: beat along by eight. All right. And guess what happened in September that year? <laughs> we won the flag. Got my water. I've got my Kool Aid. Let's go, baby. There we go. How are we doing this in round two? Why am I doing this in round two? This is going to come back and bite me, but I don't care. We just beat the reigning premiers
1: about the ruck is over. We play two rucks. Okay. We play two rucks yeah. for the rest of the season. It might not work, not, but we play two rucks.
0: Sure. You'll watch the replay, and this goes for the majority of our players throughout the game. You'll never see that many Carlton players put their heads over the ball in any other match. Riley, Riley. <laughs> yes. How good's fucking football, mate.
1: Last week we went down the line the whole time, didn't chip around. Today we chipped around. Harry McKay's marks to Connings' mark, um, yeah. So I thought we closed out really well. And I think um, this might be a bit controversial. We should thank the Pies for last week because I think they mentioned in the commentary, but they sort of showed how you can
2: expose them. It,
0: it just had that that feeling about it, and I, I just thought, like, just
2: show me the maturity, show me the growth. Like, what more? What more do we need to finally fucking get it over the line? And that siren, mate. I just. I was a maniac, like, it went off and I, and I was screaming like everyone else. then, if, if, if there was a camera on me doing this, I was doing the Rashford,
0: I was like, I was just screaming, mentality, mentality.
2: We just hung in there and leaders were leading, but without doing anything special. They were just like Sadi slowed the ball down at times. And I'm like, this is great. And then, you know, we picked through like we did against Richmond. But then when we went fast, we went fast. It was a really nice balance tonight. They did some really nice things. And, you know, McGovern makes the fuck up. And that's okay, because he didn't drop his head like a leader. He was like, let's get back to the next contest. And he made a spoil. And I was like, okay. And then you got Oli Holland going back and making a clutch spoil. And, you know, Louis Young stepping up. Harry stepping up, mate. In the last, you know, that's leadership. <sighs> Mark. If it bleeds, we can fucking kill it. Welcome back, mate.
0: We did it, mate.
2: And uh, just good to see how happy everyone is, man. I know it's only round two and one and a half wins and all that, but I think that could be an important win when we look back on it. If we continue doing what we did tonight. I mean, what what they did tonight compared to last week is, is just a complete turnaround. It was amazing the way they were just moving that ball. They were taking it on. And even when they did mistakes, they just kept on, you know, like uh, trying to go through the middle and taking them on and, and kicking it to our two big forwards. And, and the, I think the thing I'm most happy about is the last few minutes naturally the way we held on but the way they kind of controlled the game the last few minutes you know and then and then harry i didn't think had a good game but then he steps up and takes some instrumental marks and what have i always said it might not be your night but make it your moment
1: And that's us. <laughs> Let's be honest, the real positive from Thursday's win was Mark returning. I mean, to be honest, say what you want about Harry, his final quarter. Ollie Hollands, but I mean, yeah, Mark, Mark makes my life. I've just got to say.
0: <laughs> it was, um, oh, look, it was a good night. It was a good night. You know, there's a lot of a lot of questions asked before the game a lot of unknown about what was round one. What did it mean? What's the game style? Have they gone into their shells? You know, classic unknown. And we we sat here last week and we said, we just need to see a month. And we probably still, we still do need to see a month. But I think that the win on on Thursday just eases us into the season. And now we can say, all right, now we begin.
1: Mate, spot on. I mean, jokes aside, I, I am chief of the Kool Aid drinking. You, 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 you know, even though I'm analytical, I get around it. But let's be honest, we've got a bit, we've asked one question. What are the big questions of this team? Um, there's, I'd say the top three sides in the comp as per the AFL, um, if I do be bold and include ourselves in that, are Collingwood and Sydney. And I think all three sides have got huge question marks over them. One of our huge question marks has been close games. Do you know what I mean? Which is an irony in the AFL because Collingwood get criticised for winning close games. Carlton are criticised for losing them. Bizarre. But we closed it out. The other question mark, I think, for us is these next four weeks. Yeah. And that is the teams that Calton should stuff, do they? So now that mentality changes now, the focus. They know that they can hold up against Geelong. And a lot of people talking about, you know, wounded Geelong, uh, if you look at football, Geelong are way too versed. There, look at their reserves at the weekend. We'll talk about that later. That these guys are anal about structure, so you've got to beat them. And next week is a new problem, GWS, and I can't wait for that because you know what? How many questions do these boys need to answer before people start giving them the belief? So, you know what? I hate to say it. Look at the fixtures from now for the round ten. Yeah, you know I mean, you remember you all got excited about eight and two. How does? How does eight one one sound? Hey, <laughs> undefeated, nine
0: <laughs> zero nine one.
1: Yay! Incredible! Get around that.
0: Incredible. Yeah, anyway, we will touch on next week. We will touch on the VFL. We've got some really deep analysis to go through the VFL. Uh, I think we'll start with with round two and how it played out. So, we'll, what we'll do is what we do every year, uh, every year, every round, every week. Uh, we'll talk about the game. Those of you playing along at home. Please summarise in three words round two against Geelong. I also have a very special shout-out I want to give. Chris Beach, it's his 31st birthday. He is a long-time viewer of the channel. He's been a supporter for a very long time. So shout-out to Chris Beach. Happy birthday to you, mate. And what a present, beating the reigning premiers.
1: Let's have a happy birthday, Beachy, in chat for our boy as well. We we love a little bit of Beachy. (laughs)
0: We do. And Stuart, look, I I really I promise you, I I I didn't want to bring out the Kool-Aid early. I'm I'm serious. I genuinely didn't want to bring it out early. And I just he's lying. What do you want me to do, mate? We've just beat the Premier. How can I not he's pull lying. the
1: Kool-Aid? <laughs> he's lying by about two minutes into the second quarter. He was he was thinking about the Kool-Aid, tell you.
0: <laughs> All right, Pomp, let's talk about round two. We've done our review. There's been quite a few days. We've watched replay after replay. Um, you and I did the, the player ratings on Friday as well, the day after the game. So what was round two? What was that?
1: Uh, I'd say it was layers. I'd describe that as layers on shore. And I think that the first round, we said doing the, both of our reviews, we both touched on it last week, that it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was the unquestioned that we didn't know what the answer was. Was that Calton suddenly becoming a tactical juggernaut and knowing that Richmond can't score from live football? Or was it Calton suddenly changing their game plan? Round two, you saw these layers. Big shout out to Oies, um here as well, because he led the charge here. But we questioned Jack Martin being our top defensive pressure in the forward line. But Carlton then outscored by 40 from intercept possessions. 60 points generated from forward half intercepts. This was a masterclass. And this is a message. I know Sam McClure watches this. He's been on this show. Maybe it's time the AFL media started taking note that Carlton aren't a defensive transition side because the way that Voss likes to play the football is we we turn it over in the forward half. Richmond are uh, alien. That, that They sit back and let you. Do it. And I think the big thing for me was last year we complained eighty-two percent down the wing. and now starting to use that little corridor. Then doors are opening up. And I thought the way the boys moved it from the wing to the midfield to the wing to the midfield, particularly in the second and third, you saw caused havoc with your long structure. They you could see that they knew Carlton were going to go down the wing. When we opened that corridor up, it opened the wing up as well because suddenly they were like, oh my God, which way are counting they're going to go? And that is the thing. Top teams, skin cats in eight different ways. We were doing it just with a potato peeler. Now we've got a Swiss Army knife. We've got, you know, any, anything you can name. stone. And let's be honest, that was Voss last year. with But a little bit better. A little bit better. The structure behind the ball, I've got to say, I covered it in my review. Pure sexual delight. I have never seen anything as gorgeous as Ollie Hollands and Blake Akers peeling back and then the little pocket forwards peel back. Mwah, mwah. Tell you what, to keep that up, I'm going to be a very happy Pommy come round 23.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was a real determination about them. I remember in my preview asking and looking for three things, better focus, better synergy, and better execution. And I think all three of those points were better than what they were the week before. By some margin, the balance, the balance of when to use the corridor, when not to, or when to play faster, when to, when to not play fast, the balance was a bit better, but I I think what gets me more excited is the fact that there was still a lot to clean up, which I know will happen. I know as we get into the season, that will hopefully improve. Um, I think the other part as well, that should be noted touch wood two weeks in a row, nothing too serious on the injury front. Uh, I think we need to count as many weeks as possible as we can to get out of a game unscathed. I think that's just something we we just, we're just so used to getting out of a game, even with the win and having some carnage and having some damage. So um, yeah, but to see them apply what they did and respond, even though we didn't lose the week before, uh, that that was the most pleasing thing. And then oh, so many storylines, there's just storylines littered all around the ground and uh, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of sacrificing. I thought uh, a lot of when I watched the games uh, over, especially the second time when I watched it, I realised how much the boys were sacrificing for each other, and almost felt a little bad for some of the ratings that I gave, and I, I, I might have missed a few things. But yeah, look, that's the standard, and it's so good to have a game like that early in the season where you say, okay, that is the standard that we we want to reach this season, and obviously improve on. Um, but instead of waiting for round six or seven to come for that game to happen, it it seems like that was the one there.
1: There's little things like you've just touched on there as well, like the Motlop. Motlop came under a lot of criticism from Carlton fans. Do you know what I mean? Um, which I think's harsh. He, he, his role is, we we covered it in the review. He's the icing on the cake player. He's never going to be the player that's going to uh, that that that's going to win you games like as part of a team, he is that X factor. He is look at Eddie Betts when he first came on the scene, Eddie Betts. You'd be a liar. If you said he was a team player, you'd say that that guy was the X factor that changed games. And he had them magnificent moments. What impressed me the most though, was the little things Motlop did, which show a difference in the maturity. and, And Jad touched on it. Show me this maturity. That moment where Durden worked so hard to get the smother and then worked so incredibly hard, and we saw why he always was pants round one because he was playing that role. Why Durden is special. He had the engine to get up and run past Motlop, which then created Motlop's five seconds where he took the time and allowed kernel to create the separation and bobbed it over. Last year, what you would have seen was Motlop probably blaze And probably pull her behind or he would have probably given it up straight away and Charlie would have been crunched. The ball would have been smothered and it's been released. Little things like that in game situations are starting to change, particularly towards the end of the game as well. You saw that last three minutes. You had Doc occasionally get a little bit excited and clear it and put them under a bit of duress. But there was a real willingness that when someone made a mistake not to get your head down and to actually put a bit of effort in and try and fix it. And instead of complaining and feel sorry for yourself, Work together as a team and win it. I, I I enjoyed that performance. I'm like people say don't get carried away. Boulder dash. Absolute <laughs> boulder dash. If you've been supporting this club for 10 years, seeing that fuck me. Where were you in 2018 when we were getting hemorrhaged by shit sides? You've got to enjoy it, you've got to give them some respect. And Colin would have said it this week. Carlton have said it as well. That the fans get them over. And that is the first time in a long time that watching that back on full volume, I didn't hear the nerves from yeah. Cal fans. It actually felt like they believed, which gave the club something different. But honestly, all in all, pretty solid performance. And, you know, we made Richmond look ordinary in the first pressure came, and Dimmers mentioned that. I felt we made Geelong look ordinary with our exceptional pressure. Durden always, always leading the way on that pressure index, the midfield, Cripper taking the piss with tackles. Very understated how hard Cripper worked. And them kind of things add up. Do you know what I mean? Them things add up, and they're the big things. People get too blindsided by stats. I'm a stats man. You, Everyone looks at the wrong stats, not the right ones. The big thing about them, right, is they literally put some effort to make a side stress. And I've never seen Geelong do that. Geelong panicked in that back line, Sixty odd plus points from forward pressure. You saw Geelong panic, so they could have had Tom Stewart. Tom Stewart would have panicked as well under that ferocious pressure. And fair play to them because now they've given themselves four weeks where they will go in as favourites. And now yeah. it's important. We'll judge them round six. They put these four sides away. They're the real. They're the real deal.
0: Yeah, there is that notion of, you know, you're coming up against Geelong. You're coming up against the reigning premier naturally when you come up against these big sides it brings the best out of you because you have no choice you have to play at your best if you're a chance to beat them so the mentality is a little different uh, as opposed to when you come into a game and you know just deep down subconsciously you think yeah we're a better side than this mob and we should be doing this and you start thinking about percentage and and you get you know your focus turns away from the actual process of what you've got to do to win the game and it starts lingering to what should happen So that is a challenge. And and we'll certainly touch on that later, later tonight. But um, I think what I want to do is I want to do the votes and then I want to, I want us to catch a storyline from, from the game. Maybe one that hasn't been sparked mentioned too much. So why don't we start with the votes? So those of you playing along, good luck, but three, two, and one, give us your votes in the comments. Pommy and I will do the same. We did do the the play ratings on Friday, so there is that. Um, but uh, I think we should just, for the sake of you know, putting it putting it here on the Blue Broad Show, we should do it here as well. So, Pommy, wh- how did you go in the end after seeing it all and and watching the replays?
1: It was very tough this because there was a few in the mention, but I, I mean, I, I'm a Charlie Kernoff fanboy. If Charlie Kernoff hasn't got three votes for. Kicking one less goal than Jeremy Cameron with half the touches. I think you're doing it wrong. Sad too. And uh, one, always give this boy some love because he deserves the love. But um, big one vote to Matty Owies. Do you know what I mean? Slated by and fans. But i tell you what, the only player in our team that can do what he does. So one vote, Mr. Owies. Some stiff though. Acres stiff. A few, there's a few stiff. It was hard.
0: It's impossible. it's seriously. it's it's one of the one of the rare games. I think last week we didn't even bother too hard with with um, with dissecting the votes too much. I went with Charlie for the three. Uh, it was so good to see. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen a forward shootout like that, especially live at a game as well. And I think, yeah, Sam McClure said it as well. Like, We'll look back on that game, I think. We really will look back on that game. And that's a special game from, from a, an optics point of view and watching two forwards go at it. And I think what the AFL have tried to do to get that to happen again, it was good to see it happen. It's very rare that... Good to see him play in center
1: halfback as well, one on one with him. Like how sexy was that to see yeah. two go against each other in real time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But just to, to see... Like, there aren't too many clubs. There aren't too many games where both teams have such tall timber in the forward line who have all won a Coleman. I believe all four of them now. I, I think that's right, or close too. Yeah. So to see that live is special and we're not going to see it too much more. So it was, it was good to enjoy that. So Charlie for me got the three. Uh, Adam Saad. Adam Saad. Uh, uh, Ramadan Kareem. Seriously. Seriously, Alhamdulillah, it was... Oh, mate, I, I think the more I watch the game, the more I appreciate his game. And I don't know if I want to open this discussion now, or maybe we can. There's something to be said. I think I saw uh, Adonis in the comments mention it as well. I, I feel like there's something to be said about playing Adam Sard in this role now and and you know, unleashing him a little bit. Now, I know every game's different and different opponents, and you know, obviously he needs to be accountable and he plays a role defensively, but God when we're looking to get the ball in his hands and he's showing that work rate to get the ball in, in favorable positions, good. And he's, you know, kicking it long off a run. It actually ignites the crowd more. The wolf is well and truly here. That was a great thing to see. And it just little things like that spark us and, and create more energy. And uh, I could sit here and do a whole show on Adam Sard and what he does for, for us as a team, for us as a club, and then you know, just us as a community, and just to b- bring awareness to him, um, you know, his faith, his culture. I'm not a religious man, but I have a, a lot of tolerance and, and love for anyone who who does practice. And he he, he does a lot more than football. And I really wanted to acknowledge him further. And then I gave Jacob Wiedering the one. Uh, I, I gave Jacob Wiedering the one. I just loved his game on Tom Hawkins. I know that he takes pride in. Uh, restricting the big forwards like Tom thought he did his job showed some of the kicking that he can do and yeah so many stiff players
1: it was tough mate I mean I've got to say see Paolo's in the chat um just for Paolo uh, mate I-, I love hearing the wolf um I I've started actually in honor of Paolo not doing the wolf I actually say contrived just as a little <laughs> dig at my boy um but much love Paolo um, now, I agree with you. Sadi, we said it a couple of weeks ago. I was quite strong on this. Difference between Sadi is everything I love about humanity. Sadi yeah. ain't going to go on social media and go, look at me. I've done this. Aren't I a superhero? He's not going to make posts about stupid causes that you're not putting towards. Sadi does. We need more human beings in the media like Adam bloody Sadi who ain't doing it for PR, ain't doing it for kudos. They're doing it because they're actually bloody good people. So I adore Sardin. As for football, finally, we have a football coach that has snapped into the 21st century and realises that we can take 2010 and pre. Any flags won, no lessons learned. Anything that happened pre-2010, irrelevant in today's football. It is so different from a cosmetic... Fundamental and a structural place. And gone are the days of forwards hurting you. You tag them. Proper teams do what Sad did, and they give them a problem. And you expose Tyson Stengel this week because Tyson Stengel had about five minutes in the first where he looked like he could be a problem. Once Sad getting the ball, you saw that he was no longer offensive. He started to drop back to give himself time to deal with Saad. And that is brilliant. And in another nutshell, Ed Kerner. People keep saying this and it's annoying me. Ed Curnow took Cam Guthrie out of the game. Boulder Dash. Absolute Boulder Dash. You look at his structure and his position, it wasn't a tag role. It was what Voss keeps saying, run with role. Run with role. And he was just simply first to the ball and exposed Guthrie's defensiveness because he was always second to the ball and he made sure he'd made that shepherd or just stopped him getting there. So for me, that's modern day coaching and we're starting to see the tag die and it becomes more of a psychological tag, they call it, in the trade. So, Saad, best in the world. And you know Saad's going to have to do that a few times this week, this coming season, probably against Toby Green. I wouldn't be surprised that Calton float the idea of giving him midfield time. Try and get him in the midfield, where our big boys are, instead of him high up high, half forward. And Saad will have a big job this weekend against probably the best component, in, in the league and it. So it's going to be an exciting time. I love Saad, though. Yeah. i like, honestly, Saad should be everyone's favourite player.
0: Yeah. Um, Matt Kennedy had some quotes today about the game and about the preparation, and he, he made mention of how they had watched the last five minutes of the Richmond game, and obviously we've been in pretty close games our last five. And I'm trying to picture, you know, you're sitting in the room, the whole list is around you, you're next to each other, and, like, you know, you're watching those individual moments where you know you probably could have done something better in that moment. And I guess, you know, that's where the conversation that we've had over the last, you know, let's say twelve to eighteen months around the repetition. And, you know, there's some that believe just because you're repeating something doesn't mean you're going to get good at it. You know, you have to execute on it. So I, I just picture them sitting in the review watching the same mistake over and over. And and that's kind of where I saw that determination in that last few minutes. I, I myself as the fan was I was waiting for the train wreck if I'm honest. I was just waiting and preparing mentally for it, almost as a as a mechanism to be able to deal with it in case it happened, but when you really look back on it, they really they were not losing that game. There was a real steely resolve about them that I haven't seen with this group many times. And that 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 is the most pleasing thing. From a
1: sports psychology point of view, and there's a lot of research done in this in the round ball is fans reflect what players feel. so, Mm. um, And it comes from lots lots of golf coaches work on this with golf pros as well. I've seen it. They ask their wives how they feel. They ask their partners how they feel because they obviously watch the game more than anyone else other than the player. They're at every event. And genuinely, when they feel nervous, that reflects of what the player's feeling inside. So I said this on the watch-along. Last 10 minutes, there was a lot of people in the chat. They'd kick a goal. Everyone would be like, fuck this, count and a garbage, sack Voss, bring back boats and all that rubbish. And I was like, what you're thinking is probably what these boys have to relearn. These boys, probably when Cameron kicks that goal, light bulb goes on. Oh, shit. It's happening again. You've got shell shock players like Wheatering, who played, going, oh, shit. This is GWS. This is Nick Larkey. Do you know what I mean? I've been here before, gentlemen. been here before. It's dark. But but the more they do it, the more memories they have that are good. And it only takes one memory. How you break a habit is focusing intrinsically on the one memory. This will be a huge turning point. Whatever becomes of this team, this will be a game that we look back on. And it'll either be the... It'll be two pathways from here. Why did they do it then, but never fucking did it again? Or, that was when they learnt. That was their... St. Kilda by 60 Richmond 2016 loss to their St. Kilda by 80 win where something switched psychologically in them that they could change the game. So that's going to be Carlton's. And I'm not bothered about the score and things like that I know a lot of people have said they should have won by 10 goals and stuff. But I mean, I, I should be a Hollywood superstar with 6.8 million in the bank and a supermodel wife. We, we don't always get what nature intends. At the end of the day, it's about earning that. And they will earn that. And I would say the more scary thing for me is this week. Because yeah. you look at the teams that have improved. Collingwood have started to go through a different process to us. They're starting to hammer teams because they've got their structure sorted. They won tight games. That's not a non-negotiable for them. Now, for Cal, and he's taking that next thing. And that is punishing teams. And that's going to be too hard for these boys in two ways. One, psychologically, a lot of these guys have been battered. So becoming the bully, there's great statistics on this from children. If you're bullied at school, very rarely does anyone become a bully. If they're physically abused, they become mentally abusers. but it's hard to replicate the same abuse you have as a child. Same with these boys as adults, as players. It's going to be very hard for them when they look across at Stephen Cornelio and he's crying for them to go, oh, let's let's kick him while he's down and kick another goal because they'll always remember that. So that's the next thing for that boys. That's the next thing. But Adonis's point there, good teams go on and win it. We're a ninth side, Adonis. We're not good, we're average. Ninth is average in the AFL. Do you know what I mean? People look at these ridiculous things of the 80s and 70s. Ridiculous. If you're comparing football now to then go and watch a different sport, it's ridiculous. Nowadays, Richmond won it with the lowest goal percentage in the history of the game, right? Do you know what I mean in modern day football? Because at the end of the day, winning is winning. And that's something these boys got to learn. People forget that. These sides are specialists in failure. Specialists in failure. Now they've got to change the hymn book Do you know what I mean? Average of 32% wins across the team. That's a huge thing that they've got to learn. And people need to take that into credit. As much as we want them to win, for some of them, Singing the song, they probably have to still use the bloody book to sing the words. You know what I mean? And some of them have been there, like Zach Fisher. How many wins has he seen? What, 28 in his career? He's probably doesn't know the words off by heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, that's a big thing. So you've got to take the little wins. And that's why I like to get positive. If you ever work and educate people to get better, you've got to embrace and treat victories the same as you treat defeats. If you're hard in defeat, you're hard in victory as well, because that's how you motivate them. So for me, next week is a big one for me. I want to see that professional performance with GWS. And my pass mark, what people are asking, isn't winning by 10 goals. It ain't winning by five goals. Could be a fucking point for all I care. What I'm looking for is to be controlled from start to finish. Because if you look at Collingwood's model, they control. But they're chaos. There's controlling chaos. We're a different side. We want control. That's what Vos does, high possess, possession game plan. So even if it's seven points, if I can watch that game back and go, Calton, we're never threatened, that's a huge positive to me, huge yeah. positive, because that's something they've never done. They've never looked safe, even when they've beat sides by 30. They've had their moments. I want to see that layer against a weaker side.
0: Hmm. tell you another shout-out that I want to give to a guy that didn't play. Uh, his name is Nick Austin. <laughs> I think. Nicky. I, I, I forgive me, whoever actually wrote this. I believe it might have been on Twitter. I, I actually forget who wrote this. Somebody wrote it, and it hit me, and I read it, and I resonated. And this person was right. So apologies if I don't have your name on hand. But um, what he's been able to do in the the, the latest off season, structurally to the team in you know Acres and you know Hollands, mate, it's it's a totally different side with another layer. I remember last year, I remember the year before, like the wing, I mean, we were still worrying about small forwards a year, a few years ago, but the the trust in the wing position, it was something that was constantly changing. O'Brien in for two games and then out Cottrell in for a couple of games and out Jack Noons in and then, you know, back to that, you know, defensive quadrant, like set a field on the wing, like just constantly rotating through these guys and hoping that one of them would catch some form. Whereas now, like Akers, mate, Fair play, and the quote that he said. I think Ashan mentioned it here in the in the chat. But the quote around, you know, I want, I owed one to the, the Carlton family, uh, and then Ollie Holland's just not wanting to put pressure on him. But I remember during the game saying, "Well, that's it. He's got the wing, but it's his now." Now there's a, there's a whole season to play out. He's a, he's a young body. You know, there's going to be times where it's sore and and all of those things. But oh, the work rate that we now have, the 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 level of work rate that we have along those wings combined with both of their ability to win the ball and, and make a play, it, it's already looking like it could potentially add something uh, to the team that we just didn't have last year. you just got to look at why we lost games last year under the system. So
1: the media at the moment are shocked Collingwood are winning games. The media at mm-hmm. the moment are shocked Sydney are winning games. But then you look at what they've done. Sydney have changed thing, things up structurally. Collingwood just went out and bought Clearance players and mm. someone to help their smalls. Lo and behold, it worked because that's what modern day sport is. You go and buy it. Then you look at Carlton. So, what was the criticisms? The big thing about Carlton was their ability to spread and their ability to team defense. They they really structured using Colonel and Harry last year to defend their wings, which obviously what happens, you turn the ball back over, you kick into Mickey Gibbons at full forward, and Terry's banging his desk. him. That's what happens. You went out and you bought a tall winger, which Paolo mentioned. He quoted Uncle Pom on his tweet. I appreciate that, my brother, but tall winger. You know what I mean? So suddenly you can defend that side and keep a forward across. Hollands naturally does it, and you've seen him get in between two big guys. Nick Austin understands football. He's no longer doing what other cup, maybe other list managers are guilty of, buying a brand name. He's buying what he actually needs to fit the puzzle Yeah, Cowan is a great example. Cowan, people don't talk about this enough, but Lockie Plowman would be playing in this side if Lockie Cowan was there, wasn't there, right? Mm. And there's a reason. They need that medium-sized player. And that's how Cowan structure up. You watch how they structure up. He naturally is that size. However, unlike Plowman, he's got facets that are very important. He's physical. Remember Stocker? I used to complain about physicality. He's got useful physicalness because he... Takes the man on. He takes contacts and then handballs it off. Did it numerous times. Also got a kick, which Plowman doesn't have. Right? Do you know what I mean? He's got big booming kicks. So you're starting to see here that Austin gets football on an intrinsic level. And you've got a list manager now who not putting any list manager. So don't quote me that this is a direct pot on anyone else. But you've got a list manager now that he's putting the club and his coach ahead of his own ego. And he's not buying the players that look good on the balance. He's buying players that fix the holes in the list. And I guarantee you this time next year, the guy that's coming in will be a high half forward. 100% stake your money on that first one will be the high half forward. Spoiler for draft previews, right? It's going to be a high half forward. So that is it. Austin is buying the players that we need. So it's it's an exciting time. And honestly, embrace this journey.
0: Yeah, totally. No, 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 no. totally, totally on point with that. Um, The big name, God, we're a fascinating club (laughs) and what we valued and what we value now and, you know, and and, and the decisions that we make now for for the future of the club. I guess we finally got there. So there's no use crying over spilt milk because it's been spilling for decades. But yeah, it's a really good point. I do, unfortunately, I really we have to move on, <laughs> really unfortunately. But um, no, that was that was a really good performance, and we we hope that it continues. Uh, before we get into Carlton and GWS, I just want to give an update on the injury news that came through not long before the show started. There were there were three updates on the injury front. The first one was George Hewitt. He's a test for this week after missing last well, Thursday night with a hand injury. I don't know the severity of it. There were some things going around that it could have been broken. I don't know. But he's a test this week. Sam Durden, low-grade hamstring strain sustained in the VFL. who's out for one to two weeks. And then Jack Martin, the calf issue. I don't know the extent of it. It just says calf, and he'll be a test for round four. So that opens up the next layer of the conversation around the team. Uh, we spoke about it on the fan cams. We spoke about it on the ratings. We, we, we discussed around you know the three small forwards. It worked on Thursday night. Great. Does that mean it's going to work every game? Does that mean we run with it every game? I don't know. But the question that came up was you know we subbed out Jack Silvani, um, and then we had Charlie, Harry, the three small forwards, Tom DeConing resting there. I'm still not sure what the mix is, if there is the right mix, if there is such a mix that you go into with every week. But you just mentioned the high half forward that we'll be looking at next year. What is the story going to be, in your opinion, around that third forward or that third goal kicker?
1: Well, I mean, you've got the two logical trends of four are, if you're playing three smalls, basically then Voss is saying, I th- I personally think Voss likes the three smalls. I think yeah. it's something that's been coming for a while. Yeah. I think he really, really does froth that a little bit more than people think. Now, if you look at it, J-SOS was the worst pressure player in the forward half, and he played predominantly the time there. So that would say then, someone whoever plays there isn't going to be responsible for pressure because Ois and Durden pretty much cover that for you. Is it Martin? I don't know. Do I trust him? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I trust Jasos. I know what I'm going to say, but then the question is: Does Jasos kick you two, three goals when you need them? And then can Martin stay fit enough to do that? We know he's capable, but is he fit enough to be consistent at it? That's a big one for me because in an ideal world, Calton probably would love to have a trade period now and bring one in. I think Nick Austin will be itching to get one in because I think that's the big thing from Calton. I think it really is. And it's a tough one to see how you do it. I mean, I'd imagine you'll see us fabricate it after the season. You forget people... When they look at Walsh, when he won our BNF and he had his best Brownlow year, he was 58% high half forward. That's where they rotated him and he started to add them goals, which Kane Corns was knocking. So there's probably a lot of rotation options around there as well. So it's going to be an interesting one when everyone's fit. But I mean, I I think they'll persevere with j Do you know what I mean? I I think what you see is what you get there. I think Jack Martin, for me, If I was the coach, he needs to play in VFL two or three games and actually bring something for three games. Like, not this, he kicks four against Mickey Mouse FC, then we bring him in. Actually, three games and give him that sustained... Because I think he needs it. I think he needs that sustained. At the moment, we throw him in, and then he gets a knock. And this is the repeat cycle. I blame the club for Jack Martin. Jack Martin's not a bad footballer. Jack Martin is... Horribly managed at times. We throw him in, does a car. We don't even play a VFL game. He comes back in. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that's what I want to see the club. Actually think long-term. J-Sos is never going to get injured. He's he's available all the time. Give Jack Martin two, three weeks and say, earn it, mate. Kick, f- kick six goals in three, but yeah. work his craft. Because if, he, if he's at his best of his game, that forward line is formidable. And I know people hate Martin. Just
0: think about it football-wise. We know what he's capable of. Yeah. So thing with Jack, well, I mean, if we talk about Jack and Mitch McGovern in the same conversation, we talk about two guys that had the modified pre-seasons and we were told very clearly we're doing something different, individualized programs. And I think Jack Martin and Mitch McGovern were the two examples that you look at and you say, yep, yeah, they're on modified programs. They're just going to do it a little differently to everyone else. Mitch obviously had look like he was missing a bit of touch in round one. You could look like a guy that had a modified program. I, I can, I can kind of handle that and that's fine. He'll work his way into the season, but to see Jack's done a calf, like it's not a, it's not a situation where he was just out of shape. And, you know, as he keeps playing, he gets fitter and he gets more touch. It's an actual breakdown again after a round. It, it, it for the first time I'm starting to think, Oh, what's reliable who's reliable who's available i just want him there for the last 8 weeks or let's say the last 6 weeks plus finals to win a flag <sighs> am i uh, am i living in hope for jack like is is it is it a pipe dream or is it time to move past that solution and and look and say you know what let's go a different path because we know it's reliable always dirt in a motlop and then we've got the two forwards more space like I don't know, but I, I think for the first time I started really moving away from 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 the Jack Martin situation because it's like ugh, I can't rely on it him to be there for six weeks in a row. So w- I don't know what the right answer is as to how to even manage him and his body. Big things for me are you've got Marchbank, you've got David Cunningham, and you've got
1: Jack Martin, right? And I'm gonna use I'm gonna end the set field bollocks that I'm seeing, right? Oh, right. And what I'll say is. A best 28 wins you a flag. Your best 22, they'll get you there, right? And then you have the rotations. Your next six players genuinely are either young up-and-comers who are waiting to play their trade, or like Geelong's mould, you've got the older guys that are there as emergency stopgaps who are placeholders for when their young'uns come through. We'll talk about the VFL later. But like Ted Clousey, you can see he's a touch of class and he's going to be one of them rookies that plays in a Premiership medal. You can see it. And he's waiting. He's going to be honing his trade. Problem is with Carlton here, is Jack Martin in an ideal world would be best 22, and he'd be fit and firing. Cunners, people go, oh, but Pom, that game against Hawthorne, that game against Hawthorne was 2017 in Tasmania, mate. You know what I mean? Hawthorne don't even want to go to Tasmania anymore. That's how long it is. And Marchbank, yes, he had some great moments, but you've got to understand... Marchbank was great for us when we hemorrhaged inside 50s. Now we don't. Now they. Now we're looking for limited touches and actual impact. So all three of these players, in my opinion, can't be on the list next year if they're not in the best 22. Same with Setfield. You don't just keep players because they could be good. Name another club that has five players on their list because they might be all right. They might be all right because... I've never heard any club go, oh, 2016, this bloke was b- the bollocks. Is he still on your list? Yeah, we've been paying him all the time, but he could be good. Now is the time at their age where some players have won Brownlows, Flags, X, Y, Z. If they don't do it, they don't do it. And you can say what you like about j He doesn't hit kick goals. He's not accurate. I know all that. Thing is, though, j name me a time that he's missed a game because he's injured. And when he has, name me a time that he's been injured the entire year, and it's been ridiculous injuries. So that's a big thing for me, why J-Soss is pole position. I know his incapabilities more than probably Jack does. Watch him a lot, but at least he's fucking available. Jack Martin has had a calf injury 27th of March already. Do you know what I mean? Jack hasn't had one his entire career. So yeah. there's the issue we've got at the club.
0: Just on Jack Silvani... Obviously, he was subbed out. It was a tactical sub. Is he, is he a risk of not being selected this week?
1: Count fans hate me for this, but you've got to remember he was dropped last year, and the reason I say that is for me it screams we need a high half forward, yeah. and it, Voss isn't an idiot. Voss knows if he can get someone that plays the Martin Richmond games. Look at how it frees Colonel. Look at how it frees Mackay. Go back and watch Richmond last year and Martin had that five minute spurt. Look at the opening for do you know what I mean? Look at the open opening for Colonel and look at the opening for Mackay. She, that's the dream. Because if you can give someone a distract, it helps them too. At the moment, it's really easy pin down Colonel, pin down Mackay. It's really easy if you can get that third guy in. So I can understand it. Do I think he'll be dropped this week? I don't know. Not not unless Hewitt and Walsh were fit, and then you've got that argument you can float them through. I just think for me, Jack Martin is probably the answer, but can he be fit 22 games? You can't build your team around a guy that you think will play six. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's going to be a huge thing.
0: It's so, so hard. You wait and see. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know Jack had a few shots on goal, didn't convert. It's probably been the story of his experience as a forward so far. Just had like you know effort, intensity, heart, passion. We love Jack Silvani, no, no question. Just that that piece around hitting the scoreboard. Now, granted, he's been running away in the ruck, and he does whatever the the coaching group ask of him. And there's a there's a piece around there that. I'm missing we're all missing because we don't know what he gets told on game day. But because he was subbed out, uh, I just I don't know. It just it led me to ask the question. I guess we'll find out on Thursday when the teams come out. So, that's that. Now, I want to move on to the VFL the reserves because <laughs> we've got some we've got some um interesting data here. Pommy, take it away about the reserves and what happened and I know you've got some uh, some heat maps here, so I'll let you just play around with this.
1: Well, I mean, we'll look at some guys that will be looking at the first. And I'm going to instantly go to this guy because this is the guy that everyone will talk to. So this is, for me, the big thing. The the big thing. This is Dow. Now, I want you to just notice he's kicks and handballs. This is really important. Now, people who want to throw Dow in, right, and this is no knock on them, People want to throw Darwin because he's a midfielder and they feel like something can happen. 22 handballs, eight kicks. There's only two players in our midfield that play like that. One of them is Patrick Cripps. And the other one is split at the moment because Kennedy has played his role, but that's Hewitt and Kennedy, right? And there's a reason. They have specific jobs in that. They are literally conduits. They are getting the ball back and they're hitting the more talented bowl users and runners with the bowl. Now, the problem is for Dow here, this is a real specific role that Dow does. There is no way on God's green earth, even Dow's mum and dad, wouldn't say drop Cripps, drop Hewitt. Do you know what I mean? And the problem is, is you can't select a player and change his role In the VFL. That is old Carlton when we were 2018 and Setfield was playing on the ball and then he'd play on the wing. New Carlton, these players have been playing their roles. See this gentleman here, Brody Kemp. Brody Kemp had his entire career ruined last year because he was the stopgap. At forward, when Martin got injured, he was playing that role and now he's gone back down back to alleviate Marchbank and his natural position. And I really enjoyed this gentleman's game. I really, really enjoyed Brody Kemp. And he's one that I think that all of us should watch with great intent because he's back learning that role after last year. Um, I think he ruined it. But this guy's a natural intercept defender. That is his bread and butter. And I really did like his game. I really did. Enjoy. I think there's something there. If we just wait six or seven weeks, I'm not saying early, but get him literally having seven week block. And he could be a guy there that I think could put a bit of pressure on, particularly if McGovern keeps going through this phase at the moment where he's scared of catching the ball. I don't know where that's come from, but the mark isn't quite there. That could be that little thing that he might put the pressure on. I think McGovern has the easiest job, as does Jack Martin and JSOS that they don't have anyone coming up through the ranks. So it's always between them two. Kemp is huge for me because he can put that pressure on McGovern and Marchbank to stay fit and be good enough to beat them at their job.
0: Yeah. There's a few here that I want to look at. I haven't seen all of these. I kind of want to see what Jack Carroll did. Very good. Jack Carroll
1: played um, in the seniors. Um, Basically, he was very similar to Hollands, Acres, and I think that's his role. He was up and down the ground really hard. And he's going to be a guy that I think will be looking... If they per- persevere with Ed Kerner, um and persevere with... Obviously, they'll naturally persevere with Hewitt. But this is a guy here that probably is destined to play Hewitt's role in the long term as he puts some size on with just a little bit more energy. And that's what Voss will like about this guy. If he can get that engine going, which he did when he was a winger at juniors before he was on the ball, this could be a huge, huge, huge thing for him. That could be the ace in his card because he is a pretty good user. So I really enjoyed his game. And he's another one that needs six to ten weeks Mm. of real sustained football. Hopefully that midfield touch would stay fit. We've now got Ed Kerner, who is always going to be that ready-made player. Give him that eight to ten-week block to really earn his role, and he could be a really good one to look out for.
0: Yeah. So uh, the way I'm looking at these right now, I look at who is in the reserves right now in the event that we were to get an injury or we needed to manage a body in a long, arduous season. So I look at the midfield. If Touchwood, Cripps needed a rest or Kennedy needed a rest or or Hewitt needed a rest, Paddy Dow's last two weeks have suggested he can play that role based on his last two weeks, credit where credit's due. He's had a really good two weeks and then fair play to him. Um, Jack Carroll, I don't know. He's probably a level below that. In the back line, you mentioned Kemp. Um, Plowman, I think, had a pretty good game. This he, one was sensational.
1: This wow. And this was weird, right? Because this is the first time we've seen Plowman play his GWS role. So yep. people forget when he came to GWS – he, he was a dashing defender. So if you ever go back and you read his profiles, he wasn't the player that you know. He was a total different player. Calton changed his position because see where Calton were. They were getting hemorrhaged inside 50s. Now, this guy here went back to his native position, his old school position. And it was interesting. He was very offensive, very aggressive. He kind of played like somewhere between. He kind of played, I hate to say it, the dock role. This was Mm -hmm. his responsibility. Played a lot higher up the ground, as you can see, had some great moments in defense. And I kind of think this is probably the only way to save his career. And also was probably a big statement of why Cowan is selected versus Lockie Cowan um, versus Alex Shinkotta. Massive there because of how they play football. He wants aggression now. We have moved on from defence to the best form of defence is attack. And you're mm. starting to see it. But he he really took to that new role. And you know what? Go and watch a bit of VFL. If you get a chance to watch it, just watch him. I've never seen that Ploughman and I'm sure Ari is smiling because he was, he, 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 he like, honestly, if I didn't know that was Lucky Ploughman, I'd be like,
0: who's this guy? Yeah. So I look there and and whether or not you believe these guys are AFL standard or whatever, they would, they would come in and, and play a role somewhat, even if it was for a week or two. When I look at the forward line options as to what's beneath, that's where my concern begins. Cause I mean, Josh Honey right now is the only one that I think of as to who could potentially do something. It, it looks like he had a, a, a decent game. We talk about a dynamic high half forward. He obviously has the attributes of a high half forward that can do what we need someone in that role to do. He hasn't been able to do it yet and, and knock the door down. But this is probably where my concern comes, that the forward depth. Now, we're unique because we have Harry and Charlie and not many have that type of forward line. So I'm very mindful of that. However, this is the AFL, things happen, games are missed because of the the nature of the way the game is played and it's just so brutal. And I think that's where a bit of my concern comes. I don't know where the depth is in the forward line just yet. I know that Harry Lemmy very young. Um, I just, I just want to see a bit more from Josh Honey, Jack Martin. I, I don't have a, a, I don't have the ability to trust that he's going to be able to play eight games in a row, six games in a row. So that's where I'm a little bit, you know, something that's just caught my eye. You know, I, I don't know where that next layer of of our forwards would come in,
1: mate. Jack Martin, one of my favorite players. I froth Jack Martin. So, I mean, for me, he is pole position if he stays fit. Like, and I think it's unarguable. I, mm. I think it's unarguable if they can get him right. Boy, oh boy, he's a good player. But Josh Honey's an interesting one because he's a little bit smaller than the other two we've talked about. But Josh Honey has been learning that role, playing look, look at how high, high up the ground he is, and look at him midfield time. As well, which is a great indicator that Voss is looking at him because of that midfield time. Because that's what Jack Martin has had a lot when he's played them practice games, them pinch hits in there. So he's one to watch. He wasn't, gr- I wouldn't say he was pants. I wouldn't say he was horrible. I'd say he was really, 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 really st- stable. And uh, I-, I really enjoyed him. I'm not too sure what. Filiboo. I've never slagged Jack Martin off. Um, saying he can't get fit. Pretty sure Jack Martin would agree, and I'm pretty sure I blame the club, not Jack Martin. Mm-hmm. Blame the club. Interesting take.
0: So, moving on, the Giants round three up at Giant Stadium Saturday 4 35. Uh, it really is that opportunity to consolidate what was done in round two and not let it go the other way. Um, by no means am I going into this game, I mean. I obviously have that expectation. I want us to be a you know top four, top six side. And these are the types of games that we need to be putting sides away. Having watched the Giants against the Eagles, knowing they're coming off a six-day break, making the trip, they're a bit banged up. Uh, I know that we've got the tools to do a really good job against them. I know that we've done it before. I know that we can do it. Where? What are your initial thoughts around this game? Those of you at home and, and you as well, Pommy.
1: I think they would have watched the Eagles game, and I'm sure Voss somewhere in his lounge had a wry smile as he sipped his Carlton ninth beers. I reckon because West Coast brought Jermaine Jones played him off at halfback. They played a lot more of an aggressive brand than they did the first quarter, and first game. It was a lot more fast paced. They really took the game on. First time we've seen Tim Kelly look looked like the Tim Kelly at Geelong as well because they really tried to open the game up. And this was the most aggressive we've seen the Eagles probably since 2017, 2018. They looked really aggressive. And you could accuse that Simos tried to set them up at times to almost not lose. This was a return to the Eagles that everyone remembers. So Cowan will look at that and go, right, okay, play like we did against Geelong. We're probably a five-goal better side than the Eagles. 30-point comfortable win. So that's what Calton got to do. Go out there and play that game. And Hannah nails it. They're physical. They're a physical side. So what we did really well against Geelong is we mixed it up with them, but we got it away from there. We got the ball in motion. So that's going to be a huge thing um, for Carlton. And if they go there and play without nerves. It's now this time, and I'm sure um, Adonis will agree with me. This is now the time these boys go into a game and go, "We're the big, we're the big wigs, we're the big boys now." Yeah. Fuck GWS, we're going to come out there and we're going to play football. And if I was Cripper, I'd be watching that 2018 Phil Davies interview he did post game where he goes, "Oh, it's really important that we build a history, not dying out on ours." I'd be playing that on repeat.
0: I love that you remember that. that. I love like, that you remember that.
1: Fuck Phil Davis. Fuck the Giants.
0: Take okay. take it back. Take it back. A quote from 2018. That is classic Carlton. I love it. I love it. Mate,
1: I remember every time a club has slagged me off.
0: Yeah. Um, Changes. What what are you doing? Are you doing anything? We know that Lockie O'Brien has been the sub for two weeks. I know he played on Friday in the in the VFL game, so we got a game under his belt. What are you doing with the with the team? Are you making any changes?
1: Honestly, this game, uh, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably keep it the same. Um I don't I don't feel like you need to risk Hewitt here. I think uh, Mr. Ed Kerner has cemented that Hewitt role. We saw Kennedy take a more poignant thing. So I think give him another shot. I think Kennedy deserves his time in the limelight for me as well. Needs his time in the limelight. Give Jesus that little kick. By playing Jmart in the VFL as well, and say to uh, him, "Look, go mental, Jack." So that's what I'm hoping to see. Just go in with the same team, go in there, and uh, do what you do, and uh, prepare for this week well. Because four points here probably has them net four points, eight six points ahead of where they thought worst case scenario.
0: Yeah. All right, I've got to get. I've got to work towards wrapping up because uh, Sorry. we've got a big, almost blues brother show coming up. So, uh, first and foremost, the jumper punch, mate. Can't wait tomorrow. Can't wait. I just. I need to see Mars happy and smiling and up and about. Let's have a look at the preview for the jumper punch tomorrow night. Hi, I'm Jimmy Buckley. What are we talking about? <laughs> Hi, I'm Jimmy
2: Buckley. What's the jumper punch? 7.30. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jimmy Buckley, triple premiership player at Carlton. What's the jumper punch? (laughs) 7am. I'm Jimmy Buckley, triple premiership player at Carlton. What's the jumper punch? Every Tuesday at 7. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: amazing so tune in 7 p.m tomorrow the almost blues brothers are going live as soon as i hit end broadcast so stay around stick around because that's going to be an awesome show wednesday the rest here on the blue broad youtube channel the besties they'll be dropping their next episode teams will be the team show will be on thursday night because that's when the the teams will be announced the final team so pommy and Dog will be there um, the preview will be out for the game at some point, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday. I might wait a little bit longer this time. Watch along and fan cams will literally cross over. The fan cams will happen straight after the siren. Oh, I won't be going to Sydney. I'll be watching it from home in the comfort of my own home and my own couch. I refuse to go to that stadium after 2021. I'm just going to make a stand. Uh, so <laughs> I've got serious PTSD from that. Just that time in my life. Um, and that's that, guys. Thanks for joining. It was a great week. You know, just got to do it again. Uh, round three coming up. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time, Pommy. Thank you for for being here and go Blues. Next go up, almost these blue problem. baggers. See you guys.